I'll be sure to register for that women's retreat. I want to welcome our missionary guest speakers today from Come Over and Help. Uh, Greg Slingerland and Pastor Sashko are here to address us about their work. Uh, Greg Slingerland is with Come Over and Help, and uh, you'll hear more about his work as well as Pastor Sashko is a pastor in Poland. Uh, let me welcome uh, Greg Slingerland to the uh, lectern to introduce his work to us. Well, it's good to be here this morning with you all. Uh, I live up in the Niagara region in Ontario, Canada. So it took half an hour for the plane to be de-iced before I came here, just to give you a sense of how nice it is to be here. <laughs> we also have a special guest with us uh, this morning, uh, Pastor Sashko and his wife Anya from Krakow, Poland. They're at Christ the Savior Presbyterian Church there, a new church plant. So he'll be telling us about uh, how that church began and about the remarkable year that they've had uh, since the war in Ukraine. But just to recap, maybe for some of you who are a little bit unaware about Come Over and Help, we are a Reformed uh, parachurch organization, and our vision is to see thriving, biblically faithful churches serving in Eastern Europe, the former Soviet Union. That is our vision. So once these churches can stand on their own, then there's no longer a need for come over and help. And uh, our name, come over and help, comes from Acts 69, where Paul is traveling towards Rome. He receives a vision from a man from Macedonia who says, come over into Macedonia and help us. And so Paul stops his journey and he heads north into what is today the Balkan Peninsula. And this same call, come over and help, was heard by a group of Dutchmen in the 1970s in Holland. And they'd heard about the persecution, uh, the repression that was happening in uh, behind the Iron Curtain. And so they took their uh, families, uh, there was four men, they took their families on a, a vacation, a holiday, into Ch what was then Czechoslovakia and into Hungary. And they put the Bibles in the floor and the walls of their uh, little campers, and they drove across, and uh, they distributed the Bibles. They were struck for the need uh, to bring the Word of God into this area, and so they started fundraising, and Come Over and Help was born. And if you want to read, uh, or maybe your teenagers would want to read more about uh, this time period in history, uh, two good resources that I could point you to would be uh, God Smuggler, so that previous picture was of Brother Andrew which come over and help followed that example. He was also Dutch. Uh, he just actually passed away about two months ago. The other one is Tortured for Christ uh, from Pastor Richard Wormbrand, who was arrested in Romania uh, for many years uh, for his evangelizing. And eventually he started uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Today, of course, the Soviet Union is no more. Uh, although, of course, uh, with Russia, they would very much like it to be back again, as, as we'll hear about later. But today, Come Over and Help is involved in quite a few countries as far uh, east as Siberia in Russia, all the way uh, to uh, eastern Germany. There's a church plant that we're just getting involved in there, and as far south as Armenia and Albania. And Come Over and Help today, uh, we, in order to help foster um, 
thriving churches. Uh, three areas that we uh, are involved with is training and equipping, uh, church planting, and also uh, ministries of mercy. And so uh, we'll hear a little bit with the church in Krakow how that church, in a way, is involved in all three of these strands through literature, relief work now with, with all the refugees that have come into Krakow, and then also, of course, it's a church plant. Another ministry that I just want to briefly uh, tell you about that kind of has some lines of intersection as well is uh, this pastor here in this picture. This uh, middle uh, figure here is Pastor Mazipa from Kiev, Ukraine. He has a small reformed church in the city, but he's also a prison chaplain. And uh, he serves in four different prisons in and around Kiev. And uh, so he regularly goes there, um, and he has a, a good relationship not only with the prisoners, but also uh, with the prison administration. He has uh, regular uh, prison chapels. He has Bible studies that he carries out. He brings literature into the prisons as well. Uh, here he is. Uh, this picture was taken um, shortly before the invasion happened uh, in about a year ago, January. So here he uh, brought in Bibles and tea uh, for the prisoners. Uh, many parts of the prisons in Ukraine, of course, are, are very rough places, as you can imagine. Uh, this prison that he was visiting, uh, many parts of it are not heated, so uh, using some of the winter help funds from Come Over and Help, uh, bringing tea in for his visits and other sanitary products, and, and in this case, Bibles as well. Once the prisoners uh, leave uh, the prison system, um, they often will go back into the same patterns of, of crime or um, a lot of them are involved with substance abuse problems. So there's rehabilitation centers that come over and help supports as well. And in this one here, uh, this one is in this little uh, town of Mangush, which is close to Mariupol in Ukraine. And so these men here, uh, they've come out of prison and uh, they live together, they learn new life skills, and they also do different uh, Bible studies and so on. Here they're studying a book that Come Over and Help uh, translated and published. This is uh, the letters of John Newton. And so they've been studying this. Sadly, this uh, home that they're in uh, has been taken over by the Russians, has been closed down. Uh, so we're not exactly sure um, what state this, this center is anymore. The men have been... Uh, sent sent home or to other places. Another area that Come Over and Help is involved with is pastors' conferences. Many of the churches that we work with are, are very small. Uh, they're, they're often isolated. And so pastors' conferences are an important way for these pastors to get together, to be encouraged, um, to have a time of rest, uh, to be edified. Uh, this one was from this past uh, spring. Uh, Dr. Ian Hamilton was there. He's in the back row. One of the men you might recognize in this picture in the, in the back corner is uh, Reverend Peter Zabo, who I think has preached here before from Budapest. And I think uh, Dr. Phillips is going to be uh, headed to Budapest this spring uh, for a conference with these brothers. Another area that we are involved with is also uh, seminaries. So we support four different seminaries in Eastern Europe and Central Europe. Uh, a new one, actually, that is now uh, in the works right now is in Minsk, Belarus. 
Belarus, as you know, is very closely tied in with Russia. Uh, they have an open border with Russia. Uh, it's a very uh, despotic government, a lot of uh, political oppression. And uh, so these men were once studying uh, at seminaries in Ukraine or in Latvia, but can no longer leave the country. And so it looks like they're going to be starting a reform seminary of Minsk. So this is the, the kind of the start, the core group of this seminary. Then moving on to uh, Ukraine. The war in Ukraine has been, of course, the seismic event in the last year. It's been almost, I think, on the 24th. That will be uh, a year since the invasion started. And so Come Over and Help has been involved with uh, relief work in Ukraine and also refugee support in the neighboring countries. Of course, millions of Ukrainians have uh, fled the country. Uh, today, our focus uh, for relief work is mostly in the eastern part of Ukraine, where most of the active fighting is, is happening right now, although from time to time it flares up again in, in some of the major cities. So we're bringing uh, relief supplies to these areas. Uh, it's very dangerous for our partners to bring goods in here. They're often wearing body armor, going through hot zones. Uh, very dangerous. So they bring the supplies, and there's also a strong gospel component. So there's also preaching. So here this pastor came. He, he delivered the supplies, and he's has uh, is holding a roadside service here. And uh, he said, as he wrote to us, he said, as I was preaching, I could hear shelling happening in the background. And you can imagine as a pastor how distracting that would be. You know, you're preaching and you're hearing explosions happening behind you. But he said the people are so used to it, they, they weren't even flinching. And so sadly, that's, that's the reality of, of people who in this part of Ukraine have been living with this actually since 2014. Another example in, in the city of Zaporozhye. So this city has been in the news quite a bit too. There's a, a big nuclear power station in Zaporozhye. Uh, the Russians uh, have control of this nuclear power station, and there's been a lot of fighting in and around here. So the people that live in this city are living under constant air raid sirens, and they have to leave their apartments. And again, here these people have had to leave their apartments, and they've, uh, they're having a, a prayer service while they wait for the all-clear to go back in. And then uh, lastly, recently, uh, of course, there was the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. And although that area falls kind of outside of our former Soviet Union uh, geography, uh, one of our partners, the Fuads, uh, they run a ministry called Home for Kurds. And so they minister to Kurdish Christians all over uh, the Muslim-speaking world including uh, Georgia and Armenia. So we help with the Georgia and Armenia part of this ministry. But recently they appealed for help for uh, earthquake relief for the, Christ for the Kurdish Christians in Turkey and Syria. And so Come Over and Help is going to be um, helping and responding uh, with them in this area. So if, if you'd like to help in this area, uh, you can find more information on our website. I think Last night I, I looked and it was something like a death toll of 46,000 people. And they're not really even sure with Syria how many uh, deaths there are. They, they can't really even get into the country at this point yet. So what can you do? There, there are short and long-term um, 
trips that you can take. If you ever find yourself in Europe, it's easy enough to make a quick stop into Krakow and, and be with them for a Sunday or to Budapest or, or go f- further in. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful blessing uh, for these churches to have, to have visitors, to have uh, the fellowship from other Christians. So think about that. Uh, other churches have said to us, we would love to have uh, seasoned Christians come and, and stay with us for weeks or months. Uh, many of the churches are small. Many of them have new Christians. They, don't, they haven't experienced that covenant blessing uh, that our churches here in the West have experienced. And so they don't have the experienced elders or deacons or pastors. And so they'd love to have that as part of their Bible studies and, and church life. So please pray for these churches. Uh, you can find much more information on our website of many other uh, partners and projects that, that we work with. I want to thank you uh, for your steadfast support and prayers. Um, it it uh, means a lot to us and, and our partners in Europe. So I'm going to turn it over now to uh, Pastor Sashko from, from Krakow, Poland. Uh, we've been involved with uh, this church now, I think, for four, four years, I think, around there. And uh, he's going to tell us about the, the great need of the gospel in Poland. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, a privilege. My name is uh, Sashko Nezamuddinov. Um, just a few words about me, maybe, before uh, I go into um, a presentation about our ministry and our work in, in Poland. Uh, I'm 34 years old. I was born in uh, Lviv, Ukraine. It was uh, Soviet Union at the time. Uh, and it's former Polish territory, so Polish um, is still quite common. I've always spoken Polish. Um, the culture is, is very similar. Um, and then I moved to Poland 13 years ago, and I've lived in Krakow for the last, since 2013. And I've been involved in the, the work of this church plant for the last um, seven years, Christ the Savior Presbyterian. I'm married. This is Anya in the front row uh, here. We've been married for uh, four and a half years now. Uh, we don't have any children uh, yet. Uh, we did adopt a cat a few months ago to kind of practice on, but I hear it's not the same. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're in Krakow. Uh, Krakow is in. It's, unfortunately, it's not on this map, but it's it's uh, south of Warsaw. It's uh, in this in the south of Poland. Poland is a country that's centrally located. Um, it's right in the heart of um, of Europe, and um, it's a country of 38 million people. Uh, and um, how many Presbyterian churches do you think we have for these 38 million? Any guesses? Four. There's, uh, there are two in the capital in Warsaw, one in the south in Krakow, and one in, in Gdańsk in, the, in, the, in northern Poland. Um, and um, one of the things that convinced me to um, get engaged into mission work in um, Poland is actually this... This map, um, it's the map of Poland split into all these little counties, and only the counties that are marked red or pink are the ones that have some kind of Protestant evangelical presence. Uh, so you can, you can see how white this map is and how big the need is for church planting, for more churches. Um, and some, sometimes you have to drive for 100 miles before you can 
find another evangelical church. And even then, um, you can't be sure that the teaching is sound, that it's actually a gospel preaching um, church. Um, so the need is, uh, is vast. And um, actually, if you go to Operation World, a website, and it used to be a book in the past that gives you uh, all this information about different countries, all these statistics. And if you compare two countries, Saudi Arabia and Poland, you will discover that the percentage of the evangelical population is uh, is the same. And actually, Poland used to be worse. I just checked this a couple of weeks ago. Poland used to be 0.25, and that now, it, now it's grown. Um, the situation in Ukraine is a little bit better. Uh, churches are bigger. There's more churches. There's more um, evangelical Christians. So uh, now, over the last year, as all these Ukrainians fled the country and moved to Poland, it actually increased the numbers. And rumors are that... Uh, the numbers of evangelicals in Poland may have doubled just because of the Ukrainian um, influx over the last year. But there's no official uh, statistics yet. Uh, Krakow is uh, number one uh, tourist destination in, in Poland. Uh, this is where everybody really comes uh, just to, to see the city, to see some uh, history. And uh, the city loves history. It's one of the, the big things for um, for the people of, of Krakow, it's a former uh, capital of, of the country. There's all the all the kings uh, of Poland are buried there in the in the castle in the city center. Um, and uh, it's a city of one million people, and maybe just with a dozen evangelical churches, with an average size of thirty forty. Um, people. When we first started uh, planting, we were just a core group of. Um, 12 people, just a dozen people. And then interesting things uh, have been happening to, uh, to our church over the period of pandemic. So over those two years of COVID, our church doubled in size. And we went from, just before the pandemic, we were probably 20, 25 people on Sunday morning. Uh, after the pandemic, just before the war started, the church doubled in size and we were 40, around 40 on, on, um, on Sundays. And then the war starts... And the church doubles again in size. At a certain point, I was even joking. You know, I'll take these crises. I'll give me another one. Uh, I'll keep keep coming because um, if if this is what what's going, the Lord will be doing, I'm just happy to be to be part of it. And um, the COVID situation, especially, just was a great reminder of sovereignty of God and of how God. It's actually God who saves His people, who brings His people, um, and it's it's. Nothing that we do. We, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't do any big outreach events um, during COVID. It was uh, wasn't just wasn't possible. And yet, just God kept bringing um, people. This is a very unique time in, in Polish history. It's ninety uh, percent of the country are would say that they are Catholic, but um, this is probably the first time that um, this society is getting quite polarized. The attendance in the uh, of the Catholic uh, Mass on Sunday is dropping. Um, it's probably the lowest in, in history, though it's still officially the biggest and the highest in Europe. Um, and um, people, uh, a lot of people are leaving the Catholic Church because of they've, the leftist media have highlighted all these church um, scandals and, and money schemes and, and, and all of that. So people are um, just disillusioned with uh, with the church, and there there's this big exodus from the Catholic Church, and a lot of people look for alternatives. Some people just write off spirituality and the existence of God completely, because, well, this priest abused the child, therefore God doesn't exist. That's more or less how they jump to that conclusion. Others just uh, 
think, okay, the Catholic Church is corrupt. Maybe there are other options. And an average Polish person doesn't know about options because they, an average Polish person has never been to a non-Catholic church or worship service. An average Polish person doesn't have um, a, a Protestant friend. Um, so they don't even know that there are uh, other uh, opportunities. And then churches don't, don't own buildings. They're not visible in Protestant churches. They're not visible in the city, in the community. Um, so, um, but it's, it's, I would say it's the best time probably to um, evangelize in Poland and to invest into uh, gospel work. And like Greg mentioned, um, the last year for us has been absolutely unique and very different. Uh, on the 24th of February, almost a year ago, Anya woke me up with probably the, the most horrific words you can, you can hear or wake up to. She said, um, wake up, the war has started. Nobody believed it would happen until the last minute. People were, people in Ukraine were uh, going to concerts uh, and, and just restaurants the night before. Um, and it's not the first time Russia um, is doing something like this. Everybody in Ukraine, especially now, is um, very much aware of the, uh, the artificial famine of 1932-33 that Russia, and Stalin in particular, um, generated in, in Ukraine. And uh, this is the picture of my great-grandmother and me. Um, she was able to survive that famine only because she was uh, sent by her um, father to a bigger city where they were where she worked for at a factory probably wasn't receiving any money but she was receiving a little bit uh, of food and um we thought this was over we th we thought that we've we've passed the that chapter of history um and yet this is what we're uh, still dealing with and the last um the last year and the last um involvement of our of our church um, reminds me of this miracle of Jesus feeding the, the multitudes. And um, there's one thing there in the in, uh, Gospel of Mark that I particularly like. It's uh, chapter 8 and verse 6. When Jesus asks the apostles how many loaves of bread they have, and they say seven, then Jesus directs the crowds to sit down on the ground. Uh, he takes the loaves, he gives thanks, he, he multiplies the food, um, and then what he does is he gives this to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd, says um, Mark. Uh, this is, and I feel like this is exactly what we as a small Presbyterian church were, uh, have been doing in Krakow. Uh, we had nothing. We were a church of 40 people that were renting a little tiny storefront where we worshipped and that was the center of our operations. That was our ministry center. That was our the headquarters of our publishing house. And, um, and suddenly we had to take care of all these busloads of people that were coming from, um, from Ukraine. The Polish response has been absolutely incredible. People were um, lining up to help. There were times when uh, Polish people were driving to the to the Polish Ukrainian border just to give rights to these women and children that were coming from fleeing from from Ukraine and help them there were times when there were more people willing to give rights than actually people that needed them uh, people have taken these women and children under complete strangers un under the roof and um and they um they just really 
help. They gave, they shared everything that they had, and we haven't seen anything like this in Europe, certainly in a in a long time. So we as a church had to, we had nothing, we had no resources, but the the global church responded so well, including the help of come over and um, and help. Um, and through that, through those resources that were given to us. Um, as a small Presbyterian church, we were able to distribute them, set them before the people, like just like the apostles did with uh, these loaves of bread. Um, so we started renting shelters. Uh, beds were and mattresses were impossible to buy uh, um, last year because everybody suddenly started buying them for these re- uh, refugees. The real estate situation in the city was completely a complete disaster. Krakow is the first big city after you've, you've crossed the border, uh, so it's almost like a, a gate to um, um, safety. So we, we were organizing uh, meals, we were feeding these people, we were helping them with uh, different legal paperwork, and um, we just ran a place where they were able to um, come and maybe uh, just stay and wait until their room is ready or until their bed is ready or until a couple of hours until their their flight is on. Greg, I think it froze. Oh, is it moving? Okay, yeah. Um, So we were, uh, it's women and children. Men are not allowed to leave uh, Ukraine unless they have three children or more. So it's, it's primarily women and children. And um, we knew one thing immediately back, back then in March and April. We knew that all these Ukrainian kids, they are going to be either online at their Ukrainian schools or they would join uh, local Polish schools right away. And that's exactly what happened. And we knew that come summer, these kids will be just stuck in the city in a new place where they maybe don't speak the language or don't understand it fully. Polish and Ukrainian are are quite similar, but still, for children, this is a new setting. They don't have friends. Everything's new. These women and children were not very likely in the summer to go on a beach holiday in Italy or Spain, so we knew the kids will be just in the streets. So as as part of our response, um, our church wanted to run a, a longer pretty much summer-long VBS, and we did it for 10 weeks. Um, We had 100 kids, and we did it in two shifts. Um, There was morning shift for younger kids, afternoon shift for um, slightly older kids. Um, We, uh, one of our church members became our full-time children's worker and and, uh, coordinator. Uh, She doesn't want to even hear this abbreviation anymore, VBS. She said, never again. Uh, and she's terrified of the fact that we, we are planning one, just one week long uh, VBS this coming summer. Uh, but she just soldiered uh, through this. We had people from different um, churches in, in the States, in Northern Ireland, come and, and help us uh, with just volunteer. There were weeks when we were, it was just us, just our church, and we had no help. Um, and the response has been has been absolutely uh, great. We've seen some of these people um, come to church. We've seen some of these people. We are developing and continuing uh, those relationships with, um, especially with the teens, because uh, I think I think we we all click there very well. Um, another thing that we've been doing, and that's that's connection with parents uh, at, at VBS. It's women's ministry, and we've we've been doing Bible studies for these uh, women. Um, and one, one more 
a bigger thing that we've also, as a church, have been involved in is our publishing ministry. Now, as the war started, we've also started producing some Ukrainian, some literature in Ukrainian. Um, but for us, as a church, um, I'm, I'm going to jump to another chapter, another uh, type of ministry now before I run out of time. Um, the Reformed faith in Poland was picking up really well in the 16th century. Uh, as soon as it started in Germany and in Switzerland, Polish noblemen and um, um, university people, educated people, were corresponding with Calvin. They were corresponding with all the um, big thinkers of Western Europe. And um, just our little region of southern Poland had 200 Reformed churches. And then the Jesuits came and the Counter-Reformation came and um, it, it undid it all. But from that 16th century... Um, we, we, there are all these traces, beautiful traces of, of Reformed history. Uh, for example, Krakow, on the left-hand side, you see the, the printer's seal. There was a Reformed publisher. Uh, the guy was called um, Maciej Wiszbienta. His initials are M and W, and that's what you see under this little tree. His last name derives from the word willow tree, so hence that little tree in the center. Uh, and he was uh, translating literature into Polish. He was writing his own uh, Christian literature, and he was publishing local uh, Protestant authors, uh, and he was printing their books. Uh, it all, of course, died out back in the 16th century. But when we started our church plant, one of our, most, um, one of our biggest frustrations was um, we didn't have any, anything to give to these people. Um, we were, uh, people were asking us, you're Presbyterian, what does, what does that mean? What is this? Um, so we started just translating books by R.C. Sproul, by Kevin DeYoung, and it just started with little booklets, and it's, it's grown. Um, and these are uh, some of the titles that we are working on. There, there are, some of those are a little bit uh, more maybe academic or just heavier reads. Uh, we're, next month we should receive the first volume, book one and book two of Calvin's Institutes, for example. Um, John Knox's uh, Prayers, The Valley of Vision has been now translated. The Westminster Standards should arrive next week. Uh, we're, we've done quite a few and, or are working on quite a few of, of books by R.C. Sproul. Uh, we've, uh, we've produced some subtitles for movies like American Gospel. We're working on women's literature, on commentaries, um, and children's literature as well is, um, is a big focus because we, we understand that this is where we have to invest if we want to see a new generation uh, of, of Christians. <coughs> and um, so I'm, I'm, I've pasted these English book covers just so you're able to recognize maybe some Maybe you've read some of these books. Uh, and um, Anya's a, a designer, so she, she's an architect and designer, so she works on our Polish, not, not all of these book covers will always work in Polish, so we design, sometimes we take the original ones, sometimes we produce our own. Uh, so just a couple of pictures of what um, the Polish uh, versions uh, look like. A lot of, the, of these books have been, uh, we've been able to publish thanks to the help of uh, Come Over and Help. And uh, we're really, really grateful for this. Um, this, this black book here uh, is the Gospel of Center. It's the only um, book where you can find the writings of uh, Dr. Phillips in Polish. He, he has only one chapter there, and it's the only thing by Dr. Phillips that's available in, in Polish. We'd love to see to see more of his works. Um, published. This summer we did a bigger um, outreach. We, um, we printed probably 50,000 uh, copies of these uh, three books 
and we distributed them to Polish churches, in, and the books were in Ukrainian and Russian, and uh, the goal was to um, equip the Ukrainian churches to um, have these in stock so that whenever they are, almost every church in Poland has some refugees attending or that they are helping. Um, so in that way, we've kind of equipped them with um, um, good sound literature that they could, they could give them. And we've also done two um, children's titles in Ukrainian. Let me just leave you with um, a couple of prayer requests that, uh, and, and they are bigger projects that I'm personally just really excited about. Um, one of them is Sunday school curriculum, and it would be ideal if we were able to, do, to produce it in both uh, Polish and Ukrainian because you, you now have all these Ukrainian children attending uh, these Polish-speaking churches. So it would be good if their Sunday school was able to, do, um, to study the same things, use the same materials, but in both languages, hard languages. Uh, Crossway are about to publish um, Sunday school curriculum based on... Um, um, the biggest story, and then the Bible that Kevin DeYoung, ch- children's Bible that Kevin DeYoung has recently produced. And based on that, there will be a new curriculum coming out from Crossway um, within weeks. Um, so this, this is one of the biggest projects that we, are, uh, we would like to work on, that we would like to accomplish. Uh, another big um, project is the first uh, study Bible in Polish. There's not one and we would love to translate uh, Reformation Study Bible into into Polish, just to equip um, Christians in Poland to, and especially pastors also to uh, to have this valuable resource where they can um, they can go and find out more about what does this little verse mean, um, because churches are so small in Poland. Um, congregations cannot support their pastors. Pastors have to have full time jobs. Uh, they're usually married, they have children. So they, they have a full-time job, they uh, give the rest of their time to the family, and then the church that they pastor gets whatever's left of that time. So it's, it's almost like, oftentimes, it's just like a hobby club that gets together uh, on, uh, on Sunday morning, and the, the pastor doesn't have any time to, to study, he doesn't have time to um, uh, get any training or read these commentaries, and oftentimes he just—if he doesn't, especially if he doesn't speak English—he doesn't even have any resources in, in Polish. Um, so we've we've we started translating uh, a couple of pages just to see what it would look like. What, what do we have to? Where do we have to pay attention? And these are some of the screenshots from our first um, uh, fruit. Of, now, the, our church is homeless. That's an probably the biggest prayer request at the minute. This is our help center that we've been renting for our uh, displaced U- Ukrainians that we've, we've been helping. And that's where we have to worship now because uh, um, it's, it's impossible to, f- to find anything on, on Sunday morning, anything that would be big. People have very big expectations because Polish people are used to these beautiful um, churches, chapels, um, and... Um, us worshiping in storefronts, we can't we can't compete with that. Uh, and but people don't exactly understand that the church is not the building. And yet, um, you do have to have a place. Ima- imagine if you had if these walls disappeared, um, what ki- what kind of things you would have to um, to do to to be able to to do what what the church is doing. Um, we may have found something just just a week before we we came here. And we are, at the minute, we are praying, and uh, these are some of the pictures of, of that place that we looked into. It's in the, uh, on the outskirts of the city center. It's just across the road from a big, uh, that's that red brick 
uh, building. It's across the road from this big university, uh, so it's a great place where we could have um, an RUF type of uh, ministry. Krakow is a university city with 200,000 university students studying there every year, um, and it's just a, it's, it's, it's a strategic location. Um, it it can sit up to 100 people, and we, we believe that um, it would be a good ministry um, center for, for the church. So these three, three things, um, Sunday school curriculum, uh, first Bible study, or sorry, study Bible, and um, 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 the venue. Do we have, are we out of time, or do we have? Three minutes. Okay, I'll, I'm happy to take one question <laughs> in those three minutes. Yeah, where do we get our translators for the, for the work? So we have a team of probably a dozen translators, and um, uh, we, um, I, I do a s- sneaky thing. I go to Catholic bookshops, and I, I open the copyright page, and I see the names, and I write down the names, and then I find them on Facebook or just Google their, na- their names. And then, uh, and then we hire them. And then um, be- some, of, some of them are not Protestants because it's very difficult to find uh, Protestant uh, translators in, in Poland that uh, have the time, that can do quality work, uh, or actually w- would be capable for that. So we do, um, uh, we do hire them, and then we just... Um, on the proofreading level, if there's anywhere where they made a mistake, we, we verify the text with the original. We make sure that there's no theological uh, mistakes. But that, that's where they come from. We outsource that to probably a dozen f- of people. Good question. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes. So Ligonier have helped us uh, and sponsored this sampler, which just has a. Uh, it's the Ephesians are now done and the first 10 psalms. So Ligonier have, uh, have sponsored that uh, stage, uh, and they are, uh, they're happy to, to license this to us, and um, it's probably a five-year-long project, but they, they are absolutely behind this. Yeah, they're very supportive. All right, thank you so much for, for having us. It's a, it's a real privilege to, to be here.